2: 2023 coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We are here in Atlanta uh, where the Global Hope Forum has concluded. We'll share with you uh, what took place today, including uh, HUD Secretary Marshall Fudge talking about housing and what needs to be done to increase the housing stock in this country. Also, the number two official at the Treasury Department, Wally Adeyoma. We talked with him about what the Biden administration has done to increase to bear the economy and also to impact black business in the country. We'll also hear from the head of the United States Census, uh, as well as uh, we'll talk with the head of the Small Business Administration as well. Uh, folks, in other news, a uh, rough day for Rudy Giuliani in a courtroom here in Atlanta, as he's being sued by two black uh, workers who said that he defamed them by accusing them of rigging the election. Also... Uh, on today's show. Uh, the uh, president of Harvard, uh, Claudine Gay, she has survived an attempt to oust her. We'll tell you the folks who are backing her, including several former presidents of Harvard as well. Also, the first black district attorney in Texas history, Craig Watkins, has passed away at the age of 56. We'll have that news for you as well. It is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black side Network. Let's go. Peace, guys. Whatever
3: the
4: Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, to find,
5: and when it breaks, he's right on time, and it's rolling. Best believe he.
2: Folks, Roland Martin here. We are in Atlanta where Global Hope Forum, which began on Sunday, concluded today. Uh, The focus has always been about ending poverty, also building wealth. Uh, and really uh, impacting African-Americans and others. Today, a number of people spoke today, including NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson, Alex Rodriguez, T.I. Uh, also spoke, but also we heard from two major Biden administration officials, HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge, as well as Wadi, Wally Adayama, who is the number two official of the United States Treasury Department. He and I talked about, of this economy, how it actually has been improving, and what the Biden Harris administration has been doing uh, to impact African Americans, especially black entrepreneurs. Well, I'm glad to have you here. We finally get a chance to talk. Let's, it has been crazy to me conversations that I've had with people, and I've sort of been having hand to hand combat uh, on social media. When I hear people say, oh my God, the economy is awful, all these things are bad, uh, they, they talk about inflation, all those things absolutely matter. And, and one of the things that I keep trying to explain to folks, uh, one, we were coming out of a 100 year, uh, a, a, some of we had not seen in 100 years, and so this idea that the economy is going to just to be gangbusters a year or two years after is simply not realistic.
6: No, you're completely right, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you, and thank you for everything you do and the way that you tell true stories about what's happening in America. And I think you're right that the truth of what's happening in the economy is far different than what you often hear on social media, and the best way to hear about that is by going into local communities and seeing the fact that people who want jobs have jobs. We're seeing prices come down. The price of gas, for example, is down 40 percent from its peak. And you mentioned the pandemic where um, it's hard to remember. But when this president started, 3000 Americans a day were dying from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The only reason we're here today at this conference sitting in this room is because of the effort of the American people. But because the president committed to getting anyone who wanted to vaccinated. Inflation was a challenge that America had to deal with and the president was committed to it. And that's why inflation's come down and prices are coming down on everything from gas to also prescription drugs. But he's also committed to making sure that as we build the economy going forward is built in a way that it works for everyone, uh, not just the people who it's worked for previously. That's why we've seen record lows in terms of Hispanic and black unemployment. And the president's making sure that the bills he passed don't only help the select few, but help everyone in terms of young children of color, people of color, small business owners. And we've created a record number of small businesses by black and brown people in America. And the question now is how do we make sure those businesses turn into large businesses?
2: Well, that was a, I saw a study and it talked about uh, the increase in black wealth from 2019 to 2022. But I had to, but I say, I always tell people, you gotta be deeper than mustard on a hot dog. So you gotta go deeper. And the reality is that was largely attributed uh, to the infusion of capital that actually went into the system and a guy today He was going he said Trump put money in my pocket I said, well first of all if the dim control house don't pass those bills. It doesn't go to the Senate He can't sign it uh, And and that's the other thing as well So I'm trying to sort of and I keep saying hey folks no you're not going to see that kind of infusion Coming from Congress again because that was pandemic driven now it's how do you build the economy that is not relying upon the massive infusion of billions of dollars from the federal government directly in the pockets of people.
6: And I think that you're completely right that ultimately people got this money to help them get through the pandemic. But the thing to pay is, rent, to ba- buy food, all problems. those basic needs, take care of their children. But the thing that's impressive about the American people is they not only did that, but they built small businesses in that. You saw black people start small businesses at record numbers you saw latinos start businesses at record numbers and now the question is how do you make sure that as a country we invest in those businesses so they grow going forward
2: right to build capacity because that's one of the things that i keep saying it's easy it's great to say we need more uh, small businesses but the point is you got to build capacity and on, even before covid we had 2.6 million black owned businesses million had one employee
6: exactly exactly
2: and i said no disrespect i said those are not real businesses i said so you got to have you know 8 10 15 20 30 50 100 plus employees and that to me right now is what the focus has to be building that capacity
6: and the president's very focused on that and what he knows and we know in the administration is that businesses need two things they need access to capital loans and things to grow But almost even more important, they need access to customers. Right. So what the president has said is... contracts. Yeah, contracts. The president said the federal government needs to be a customer for small businesses, particularly small businesses in rural and urban areas run by entrepreneurs who are underrepresented. So we're committing that 15% of federal procurement dollars are going to go to those communities. But he's also called on big businesses to do the same. And you've seen big businesses from Google to companies that are in the clean energy space who are also making similar commitments to go to small businesses in these communities to help them grow. And we've also put $10 billion worth of capital in investments into community-run development institutions and black and brown-owned banks who are more likely to lend to those small businesses so they can grow over time. So we've got to do the work, but the people who are really doing the hard work are those small business owners who are taking chances. And you only start a small business when you have confidence in the economy. Right. When you have confidence that you're going to have the ability to find customers, that you're going to have confidence that you can get the money you need. And what the president wants to do is give people a hand up, not a handout, in order to make sure that those small businesses can grow and succeed.
2: Well, I'll give you one example. When we talk about customers or also when I talk about contracts, and so a lot of people talk about, obviously, which is important, access to capital. Well, you know, I launched this five years ago, launched a network two years ago, self-funded, started with one advertiser. We've been profitable since... March of 2020. Uh, so for me, I'm not looking for a loan. I'm not looking for that. what I said, but the barrier in terms of contracts. Even even we look at the federal government even for advertising, the study was done, a billion dollars is spent every year, but black media gets 51 million. And so part of the issue is, it, it comes with the ad agencies that we fight in the general market who then give us the same same barriers. And so how are you in Treasury aligning with MBDA other departments, breaking those things, breaking those bureaucratic hurdles down uh, that's keeping folks from being able to access the dollars? Because again, you can have great you can have great ideas, but there's always it's sort of that bottleneck when it comes to actually uh, being able to connect them with the dollars.
6: As usual, you know the right question to ask because you're doing it. You're an entrepreneur. You've built a successful business. And the thing that you often learn is that the commitments that the federal government or these big businesses make are to procurement. And they're often to construction, janitorial services, what you would call low margin business Mm -hmm. versus the high margin businesses like entertainment or legal professions or professional
2: services, again, accounting, all those different things.
6: And what we are doing is we're holding people. There's two things we can do. We can do better ourselves which we're committed to doing under the president's leadership in terms of the 15% commitment we're making is not, is to making sure that we're going to try and reach those high value professional services. But we also need to use the bully pulpit to make sure that companies are doing the same right. and calling on them to make sure that their investments in procurement are following where their customers are, because the people who watch your show are the customers of those advertisers.
2: But also expanding that, that list, and so I was just talking about Ambassador Andrew Young. When I'm challenging companies, I'm not just saying I want to see more black owned media dollars. I'm saying you're using catering, <clears throat> you're using transportation, audio-visual, all, there's so many different things, so yeah, it's not just, yeah, construction or uh, architects, I'm like. I'm challenging them, saying, look at all of the contracts that you're out there spending, and what's the black participation?
6: Completely agree, and the vice president has been a real leader on this. Last year, she created something called the Economic Opportunity Coalition, which is a table she's created for businesses who are willing to make commitments alongside the commitments we're making the federal government that will do things like make sure that procurement dollars are being spent in a way that reflects the need to diversify them to build an economy that works for everyone and our goal is to call more companies to take these actions because ultimately we know in the federal government we can create the incentives but the people who create jobs are people like you entrepreneurs and we need to make sure that big businesses in this country be they banks be they big technology firms, be they the Walmarts of the world, they're taking steps to invest in businesses like yours because that grows their customer base right. as well as growing our overall economy. I gotta ask you about
2: private equity. I'm, so, Obama's president, I get called to the meeting of the Treasury Department and uh, I'm told that black and minority firms outperformed mostly white firms when it came to the management of TARP funds. My immediate response is, awesome are they not going to get more money? And everybody went silent. And one of the things that we see
1: is that
2: Uh, these firms do very well. They outperform, but essentially there's a cap. Robert Smith's Vista is, is, the, has, is the black firm with the most private equity. It's only $100 billion. Uh, when I look at the pension funds, which I, have, I keep telling people is the largest collection of black wealth, and so those are, they're going to those funds. But unfortunately, what we're not seeing, they're taking a lot of money that involves a lot of black and brown folks, and then they're investing it not with black and brown people. And so how are you also looking at that because so much of what's happening in this country is being driven driven by private equity and that's largely white men who are controlling that money and they're using money of a lot of black and other minority folks to drive their businesses.
6: And I think what you're talking about here is wealth creation and for too long, What we've focused on is only people's salary, which is important. And we want to make sure people are paid a fair wage. But we also want to make sure that wealth creation is happening in all communities throughout our country. And a number of these firms, you're right, have just as good, if not better, performance than some of the other firms. The thing they haven't had is access to the table. Right. And what we're trying to do is make sure that they get access to that table by starting programs that bring them in to demonstrate that they can perform just as well, because oftentimes the way the barrier to access is, well, you don't have a performance record that we can rely on. So by bringing them into things like the pension funds controlled by the government and having them be part of pilot programs, it gives them the ability to demonstrate performance on some of the biggest pension funds in the country, which right. are owned by the federal government, yep. that they can take that performance then and take them to pension funds run by states and allow them to grow their businesses. But we've got to do more at the federal government level. But again, to your point, a lot of this capital is controlled in states. They're controlled by companies. And we have to do our part to use the bully pulpit to call on them to do the same and to make sure that black and brown entrepreneurs, black and brown investors, have access to the ability to manage this money Yep they're gonna earn a return for their customers here, but by earning that return, you're giving the opportunity for black and brown people to also cre- create wealth in their communities and for the country.
2: And see, for the folks who are watching who are probably saying, okay, Roland, well, I don't get private equity, what I keep talking about is also downflow. So you got your private equity firms, but again, there are, there, there are legal fees, there are accounting fees. So now you're talking about black law firms, now you're talking about black accounting firms, uh, and so, it goes way beyond just sort of uh, that private equity. I mean, there's a lawsuit in New Jersey right now with a black uh, firm that's suing the state of New Jersey and BlackRock saying, you're freezing us out because we keep talking about how we can't get VC money. The VC money is coming from pension funds.
6: Yeah, and I think this all comes down to, from my standpoint, access to capital because not every company wants a loan. Sometimes you want equity you want someone who's going to put different types of money into your business and the best way to do that is to go to an investor who's willing to look at your business and to believe in it and that's sometimes going to be the one take your phone you, call exactly get <laughs> you in the door and i think that's what we're focused on which is making sure that black owned small businesses are given the opportunity for too long they've been denied and left out from be it Through the inflation reduction act or the bipartisan infrastructure law the president's focused on making sure that the benefits of these laws don't go to the select few but go to these communities the story i tell my staff every day is we have to remember what happened when we built the roads throughout this country during eisenhower building the interstate highway system transformed our economy but it also had winners or losers. And unfortunately, a lot of the losers look like you and me. Yep. We have to Le- make sure, yeah, we have to make sure that as we're investing in infrastructure, investing in clean energy transition and semiconductors, we're making sure that communities that have been left out and left behind actually can benefit from this and they have the opportunity to grow their families and grow their economies as well.
2: Last question for you. Um, you talked about a lot, y'all done a lot. I still, I fundamentally believe You haven't told the folks about that. So there's been a lot of work being done. And so obviously there's an election next year. Um, Are we going to see more of you, others out there, literally breaking it down for the average person so they understand that, no, this is what has been done. We funded that, created that, created that, because I think that's also a disconnect. People literally just don't know.
6: Yeah, and I think the hard part, and I appreciate what you do to make sure that people do know, but I think you're going to see a lot more of us out there talking to people about how they can take advantage of the things that we've done because the challenge we have now is that we pass the Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to lower prescription drug costs, but it's created a number of tax incentives that allow you to buy an electric vehicle with $7,500 tax credit, reduce your cost of heating your home by up to $500. But people don't know about these things. Right. So my goal is to go out there to talk to people about how they can take advantage of these incentives to help reduce costs for them, but also invest in their families going forward. So our, the thing we have to do better in the federal government, um, regardless of an election year or non-election year, is solve that last mile problem of being in communities and helping people understand how they can take advantage of the incentives the government has help, has created to help them. And I'm going to be laser focused on that from. From now till as long as people keep me in this job.
2: All right, then. Well, Wally, we appreciate it. Finally, glad we got a chance to chat uh, and uh, hope look forward to our next
6: conversation. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for everything you do. I appreciate Stay it. There. Thanks
2: a lot. First, when we come back, we'll talk a new poll that shows black voters may very well sit out this election. What needs to be done by Biden-Harris to speak to black voters to get them to turn out and also not vote for Donald Trump. We'll discuss that next with my panel right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcast live on the Black Star Network, live from Atlanta. Back in a moment.
5: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. Oh,
2: pro Trump m storms the US capital with some we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable
1: result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the
2: Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys, America. there's going to be more of this.
10: All the proud boys, this country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The
2: fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear
11: Executive producer, a proud family. You're watching Roland Martin
12: Unfiltered.
2: All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. I want to uh, introduce uh, my panel on today's show, Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali former senior advisor for the EPA uh out of DC, Randy Bryant, DEI disruptor out of DC as well. Joe Richardson, civil rights attorney out of Los Angeles, glad to have uh, all of y'all. Let's let's first talk about uh what uh what Wally just laid out there. And, and and I must say Mustafa, um you listen to all those things that he laid out. And and I swear, I I I look at this administration, I'm like, do y'all know how to celebrate wins? Do you know how to articulate uh, to the folks what you've done? Uh, And I'm telling right now, man, I would be sitting here going all around America like, yeah, we did that. We did that. And we did that too. I mean, that's literally, they they need to go on a, uh, we
13: did that tour. That's exactly what they need to do, because most people have no idea about the successes that have happened, about the sets of opportunities that still exist for people to adjust the generational wealth gaps that we have in in our country right now, and also the fact that you can actually start your own business. As I travel around the country and, and as I speak, that's a part of what I share with folks, you know, is that there are these huge sets of opportunities out there. Yes, it takes work. But you have this moment now where whatever your particular dream has been, that you can make it become a reality. But the administration has to do better. They do better by, you know, investing in the Black Star Network and Roland Martin Unfiltered and a number of others who are out there that have platforms that reach our people. Um, And when you don't do that, I think you set yourself, you
1: create this disadvantage.
13: Statements out there about how you're not doing anything for Black folks.
2: Uh, again, it's just uh, it's just amazing to me, uh, Randy, when when you look at the accomplishments, but then when you talk to when you see these polling data, when you talk to folks uh, and they go, "Man, they haven't done this, haven't done that," and you're like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, and so look. Uh, you know this Biden-Harris campaign team. I mean, they've got some serious work to do in order to educate and enlighten the general public about how they were able to get inflation. It's now down to 3.1 percent. How they were able to change the narrative, fix what was happening with this economy. Uh, and so you can you see on one hand the economic numbers when you see unemployment numbers, stock market when you see wages, when you see all these things, and then you look at a polling, and and it's by huge numbers. People say they trust Trump more on the economy, even though Republicans, the numbers don't even lie. Democrats, Biden has, has blown away Trump and other Republicans in the
3: creation of jobs. Right. It's about the checks, Roland. It's about the checks, sadly. People were getting those checks during COVID, and it made them feel as if, I'm getting free money. That They felt that. That was exciting. And they don't understand that the real work to really improve the economy that's going to work out in the long time, in the long run, that's going to help build generational wealth, th- that is going to give more opportunities to Black folks, that work is being done by the Biden-Harris administration. But you don't feel it like you do an infusion of a check. Right. You don't feel it the same way. And so it really does. It does require this administration to go out there and say, no, let me show you what we're doing and why we do it. Because the, the, that fast money um, really just it makes people feel as if they were. making, And it's not it's not a lot of money, but it, it made people feel as if they were doing better financially because of that.
2: Yes, because guess what, Joe, the federal government was helping people pay their rent and pay for food. Because of COVID. But let me be perfectly clear. All of y'all watching and listening, let me be real clear. Ain't no more damn checks coming. Right. I'm just trying to help y'all out. It's it's not going to happen. Again, I want to be as perfectly clear to everybody who's watching and listening. COVID, that was a a once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic. Mm -hmm. If y'all think, Congress is going to do what they did. Come 2024, 2025, 2026, you are, as my man uh, Denzel said in *Remember the Titans*, you are outside your damn mind. <laughs> yeah. Right.
14: Yeah. There's no question about that. And you know, one of the things that's interesting, um, and and this is something that the Biden administration really needs people to know. You know, they take over. Um, the economy's in a a tough, tough situation. Um, You know, you can't inhabit a business. A business can't survive if it can't be inhabited. We literally are shut down. We're shut all the way down. Your first fundamental notion is safety. If I don't feel like I can go to the store without dying— then I've got a problem. So the vaccination was really, really important. And a whole lot of people died on Trump's watch that didn't necessarily have to. And so that's the first thing you do. 3, then you 3,000 dealing-
2: a day. Yeah. 3,000 yeah. a day. That's that right. That
14: was
2: a and 9-11 so- happening right. every single day in America because of COVID
14: and that was the first thing that they needed to deal with. And Biden dealt with it, and he dealt with it successfully. Next up, now you're dealing with the economy, right? You're dealing with the aspects of the economy. You're dealing with both job creation as well as bringing inflation down. Inflation was up. Now, statistically speaking, most economists will tell you that they did not expect to at this point be in the place where there is as much job creation than there has been, as well as inflation down as much as it is, all at the same time. Statistically, this was very, very improbable and he got it done anyway. And so a couple things have to happen. First of all, they have to get the word out better on what actually happened, where we actually are and how unlikely it was, right? The second thing they have to do, is to solicit and address concerns so that people feel like they're being heard even though they're already doing it solicit and address concerns. And then the third thing that you do is you pass legislation and you do everything that you can. So if the legislation doesn't make it past the Senate because of a filibuster, like the Voting Rights Act, or like you know, like uh, the George Floyd uh, uh, Justice and Policing Act, if it doesn't make it across the finish line, it's not because people think that you aren't doing everything that you possibly can. It's a multi-pronged attack, but it starts off with letting folks know how much better off that we are than most folks that are economists that would have costs to know that understand trends, et cetera, than right. most of them thought that we would be.
2: So here's the deal. So a political drop this story today. Uh, uh, Henry, go to my iPad, uh, headline poll, a fifth of black voters want someone else. Uh, come on control room, go full screen, please. Thank you. Poll a fifth of black voters want someone else instead of Trump. Or Biden. So when you go on this story here, it says in the Gen Forward survey released on Tuesday and shared first with Politico, nearly one in five Black Americans, 17%, said they would vote for former President Donald Trump, and 20% of Black respondents said they would vote for someone else other than Biden or Trump. Three quarters of Black respondents said they would vote if the president said uh, they would vote if the presidential election were held today. A figure that trails the number of white voters who said they will vote today by 10 points. Uh, And so you go on here, uh, 3,448 eligible voters. It said black adults backed Biden more than any other racial group in the survey, but the president notched 63%, just 63% uh, among this block. And it also shows uh, an increase, uh, folks said uh, an increase in people who said they will vote for uh, Donald Trump, a particular black man. I'm going to listen. I get people's frustrations, uh, Mustafa, but let me be fundamentally clear when we talk about what's going on here. And I'm going to say it again. If anybody watching, one, if y'all think Trump is going to hook you up with more checks, you stupid. You ain't getting more checks. Republicans made clear in the last debt battle over increasing, uh, increasing um Uh, increasing, uh, first of all, passing a budget resolution. They made clear they wanted to cut money that went to women and children for food. They do not want to increase the child income tax credit. They want to get rid of $35 insulin uh, for those seniors on Medicare. So y'all can sit here and play around if you want to, but I'm telling you what these guys uh, are going to do. But the other thing is, is here when I see black voters should not be 10 points behind white voters when it comes to voting. I don't know where in the hell some people get this notion, Mustafa, that things are going to improve if they sit out the election. And when the very people who you fight and plan on voting, that's called a dumb election strategy.
13: Well, you know, you got to ask the question, where are people getting their information from? And unfortunately, we have a lot of locations now that are serving up misinformation on a regular basis. And they understand that they continue to pump that out, that there is a percentage inside of our community um, that will believe uh, some of the things that are being said. Now, that does not take anything away from the fact that this current administration, the Biden administration, has to do better. They have to really get very focused on the things that the black community is asking for, and they've got to answer those questions. They've got to make sure that those sets of programs that can help um, are actually being utilized and people are knowing how to get involved with them and how to pull those levers of power to make sure that change happens inside of our community. So we have a responsibility to seek out that information, but they also have a responsibility to make sure that they're doing everything in their power. If they don't, then unfortunately, because of society we live in, that misinformation will continue to chip away at those critical votes.
2: Um, look, um, uh, uh, Randy, obviously, when you look at these polling that, poll, polls, We are 11 months out, uh, and to Mustafa's point, when you provide information, uh, folks have have a differing view. Uh, and but but again, I just sort of sit here, and, and and listen to these people, and I'm going, I don't know in what world uh, they actually believe that that uh, Trump is going to somehow come waving checks if he gets back in there. They are not paying any attention to Project 2025. They're paying no attention. the freedom caucus and they want to slash and burn and so these people this you know this reminds me of this reminds me of 1984 when all these young republicans were out there reagan 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 oh ronald reagan they were just they were just cheering ronald reagan and not even a month after election ronald reagan and the republicans took a meat cleaver the Pell Grants and student loans and, uh, and, and, uh, and student financial aid. And I saw all these same Republicans crying, and I'm like, well, guess what, dumbass? you the fools who put them back in. The same people who were championing Ronald Reagan were crying a month later after the election because they cut Pell Grants and student aid
3: because I guess they thought they were exempt. Right. And, and I don't know how people aren't paying attention now, because everything that the Republicans are doing, if you pay attention, to me, indicates that they are trying to completely make it where black people have no power, where there's no force or anything that's going to help us. And so I I think the complete opposite. I tell people I'm trying to make plans to get my uh, citizenship, because if Trump comes into power, I'm I'm scared, you know, I'm going to be trying to Harriet Tubman out of this place, because it's very clear he has made it abundantly clear how he feels about Black people. He has not hidden it in any way. And it's, it's interesting to me that people want to pick out, well, he gave this much to HBCUs, but they don't do the real research. And again, we're in this society that looks at, one, misinformation, as my brother just said, but also we just look at the headlines. And so we're so easily fooled because we're seeing one headline um, that has been pushed by the Republicans, and we really believe that there's a this that Trump is for us. Or and I'm I'm shocked at how easily we're bought again by the checks, and then you you'll have some third-rate rapper <laughs> that Trump has partnered with, and we think he's down for us. And I'm like. We, we can't be, we cannot be that easily bought. We, we owe it to ourselves to really take the time to research, read an article, find out who is for us and who is actually doing things that will benefit Black people now and for generations to come.
2: Here's what I sometimes just wonder, Joe. Go back to my iPad. Uh, it says, overall, the president's approval rating in this survey was sitting at a paltry 38% for black respondents have approved of Biden's job performance, while 34% of Latino, 37% of AAPI, and 36% of white respondents viewed Biden positively. Okay, so here's the question uh, that I would ask uh, any of those people, the people who, uh, let's say the uh, 62% of blacks, I would say the 66% of Latinos, and, and then I would say 64% uh, of whites. And that is, what more did you expect Biden-Harris to do? Now, increase in education funding. Increase in infrastructure. The largest infrastructure um, um, uh, spending bill since President Dwight Eisenhower. Then when you start looking at the Inflation Reduction Act, I can go on and on and on. So I'm trying to figure out what did people actually think? Now, I get the issue of inflation. I totally get the issue of inflation, but I wonder if people even understand how inflation happened. We literally had companies jacking up prices across the country, jacking them up. The next segment, we're gonna hear from Marsha Fudge and talking about housing. I've seen people, Joe, complain about housing and I'm going, because we didn't build houses in 2010, between 2000 and 2010 and 2010 and 2020. So you're blaming somebody for a housing crisis but actually, was started 23 years ago, that to me is crazy. Now, maybe folk don't have all this information, but ball don't lie. And so at some point, again, this is where I go back to the administration. They have to be aggressively talking about these things so folk understand what the real deal is.
14: Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Um, And for a long time, what masked what was getting ready to happen with housing was the low interest rate, right? So for a long time, you could get more house. Theoretically, it was a little bit more uh, a little bit safer, right? Because it it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, pre-2008, where you had bad loans, you had faulty Mm -hmm. loans, countrywide, and everybody else had all of these things, where they, you know, adjustable rates, negative AMs. You didn't have a lot of those things. But what you did have was prices continuing to get brought up. And as it pertained to housing, uh, at least you could say, for the moment, you could mask the problem for a while because interest rates were so low, right? Now, but as you go along, now things get changed, and we understand the exacerbation of this problem. People have to understand that whoever the current president is, you're going to blame him for all kinds of stuff, even if it goes back 10, 15, 20, or 100 years. It doesn't matter. They're going to get blamed for it. This is why it's so important for— President Biden and everyone to explain this. There ought to be a one-on-one on inflation. There ought to be a one-on-one on housing. There ought to be a one-on-one on infrastructure. There ought to be a one-on-one on building businesses. And do the one-on-one, but also talk about what you've accomplished under that umbrella and in that space so that the education can continue. And so that, by the way, you can add— to the number of voters there's still enough voters out there to be got that aren't voting and then yeah. the problem with donald trump is you've got this hangover of pop culture you thought he was involved in pop culture and he was in black videos and he was on the fresh prince and therefore he's for you of course that's a lie but you don't figure it out until it's too late
2: gotcha hold tight one second when we come back we're going to hear from uh secretary marcia fudge who was here uh at uh, global hope forum talking about housing and she made a point that i have been making Uh, many times why there's a housing problem in the country and to all y'all paying attention it has nothing to do with Biden Harris or anybody in the White House or anybody in Congress. It has literally been 20 years in the making. We'll discuss that next. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Support us in what we do first. you're watching on YouTube hit that like button folks. I see y'all comment and hit the doggone like button. Also, join our Breena Funk fan club. See your check and money order. P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at Martin.com. Roland at Unfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
15: On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, how big a role does fear play in your life? Your relationship to it and how to deal with it can be the difference between living a healthy life, a balanced life, or a miserable one.
11: Whenever the power of fear comes along, you need to put yourself in that holding pattern and breathe, examine, find out if there's something that your survival instinct requires you to either fight or take
15: flight. Facing your fears and making them work for you instead of against you. That's all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network.
5: Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program, or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in demand jobs.
14: Hey, it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Surfer Talk Show. You're watching Roland Mark Untilton.
2: <laughs> huh, Secretary Marsha Fudge spoke here at a uh, Global Hope Forum, talked about what uh, she has been doing. Uh, to change what's happening with housing in America, but also why we have a housing crisis right now. Here's what she said in her conversation on stage with John Hope Bryant,
11: Madam Secretary. One of my pet peeves is that Black people are at 41 to 43 percent home ownership, and the number one way you build wealth in America is home ownership. Am I right about that? Absolutely right. And my mainstream counterparts. Uh, Are at 75 percent, give or take, home ownership rate. That 30 percent delta. The difference between that is why we don't have a net worth, and we keep was was one of the primaries that in what Toby just left, small business creation. You and him really are the anchors for the solution, Uh, uh, and what Bishop Jakes is doing. You were with him yesterday. Are the anchors for the solution for the revitalization of all of us. But we are. We got to stop talking and start doing. Because if we don't, if, if black people keep doing what we're doing, statistics say that by 2050, 2052, black people net worth will be zero. Zero. And, and a lot of that is we don't own home ownership, real estate. Real estate is the biggest business in the world. Stocks. What are you doing to try to bridge that gap of, uh, uh, of
10: home ownership for African Americans, but all other people as well, poor whites, et cetera, et cetera? We put tens of millions of dollars into housing counseling, which of course you know because we use you as well. We're honored to be one of your housing counselors. Right. Uh, So what we do is we try to prepare people to get ready for housing so that when the time comes they won't have to get ready, they'll be ready. We need for people to understand what the process is and believe that they can do it because we can help them do it. But the biggest problem that we have in this country, John, is that we just don't build enough houses. So we don't build enough houses. So now, so just basic supply and demand says it's not enough. Then we go to communities and they we say, we need to build multifamily units. They will not in my backyard. You're not going to build it. So then we've got zoning issues where they say that you can only build a certain kind of house and that raises the price about 30%. So we have to break through all of that first off. Yes. So I meet with the housing people. I meet with mayors. I meet with governors to say, you have a problem. I can help you fix it, but I cannot fix it by myself. And so you have resources that you have never had before. The rescue plan put money into communities that they never thought they'd get, and they're sitting on it. And so then Uh I go and I have to threaten them and say, now don't keep sitting on this money because I'm going to find a way to claw it back and give it to somebody that's going to do something with it. But the other thing we allow is we don't build communities and neighborhoods. So I live in I live in a community, a fairly, I'd say middle class, but mm. but it's a community that I love and I live in it by choice. Yes. I live in a house that is two doors from an all-white wealthy community. Two doors, two doors, literally. My house is bigger than the house, two doors from me.
7: Mm.
10: My lot is bigger than the house, two doors from me. My house is nicer than the house, two doors from me but that house is valued at $25,000 more than my house. Mm. Which means that my communities now don't get the benefit of those extra tax dollars. My community doesn't get the benefit of more police or fire or to make sure that my children's schools are good. And so people choose, if they can afford it, to live two doors from me as opposed to in my house. We have to say to America, if they really want to solve things like homelessness, uh, poor education, They have to recognize and admit that the problem exists. And once we do that, which we have at HUD, we are putting so much money into assisting with multifamily housing, uh, talking about senior housing. Do you know the fastest group of people sleeping on the streets today are black women my age? Wow, really? My age. Because we have created an environment where they can't afford to live anymore. They can't afford their apartments. They're on, on Social Security, which is not enough. And they end up, they first off start sleeping in relatives' homes, and then they find themselves sleeping in their cars.
11: RVs and things like that, yes. I cannot tolerate it. Yes.
10: And so what I'm doing is putting our money where it ought to go to help people. You just don't know how much money we put in the market, yes. but you don't know because people never ask. Yes, you know, People don't come to government and say, what can you do for me? Mm. They call when they have a specific problem. They never see the big picture, too. Yes. They never see it. Yes. So, but when I sit down with home builders and I say to them, you have to build this many homes to just get us where we need to be, we are 1.5 million homes short of where we need to be today. Mm. Today. 1.5. So, there's an opportunity to do infill development
11: right. that, listen now, entrepreneurs now, listen, what she said was, she didn't say it, she inferred. If you, need, if, you have a, if you have a gap of 1.5 million homes, you can go and find a lot. You don't need acres and acres, next. find a lot, buy it, build it, use minority and women vendors if you can to build it, rent it or sell it to somebody who might be underserved and get the benefits, uh, use the programs at HUD to uh, empower you with the right mortgages and the right down payment assistance uh, and then you create a tax base in that city, you create a taxpayer in that city, you create a, a homeowner in that city, you, keep, you create equity in that city, you create uh, asset accumulation, generational wealth,
10: uh, and you're creating jobs and opportunity. Did I get that right? you got it absolutely right. But let me, it's, we want everything easy. Just tell me where to go to get the money. This is what we want. Yeah, it don't work that way. It doesn't. The federal government is flush with resources to help entrepreneurs. You just have to know where to go. So it, it, it's going to be important for people to realize how to connect the dots. Yes. So I talk about housing, but transportation has money that can deal with where we build housing. Mm. EPA has money that can deal with where Fire we build housing. It, X, oh, right. uh, uh, USDA has resources to build rural housing. People are so... We are linear thinkers because we don't realize what's available to yes. us. So everywhere I go, I tell them, now, you need to call this person. I met with black developers in New York a couple of weeks ago to tell them about the things we could do. But in the meantime, I said, you build an infrastructure, we passed an infrastructure bill. Mm. You're talking about environmentalists. We do have money in EPA. So I go through this whole thing because I want everybody to know what I know. Because until they do, we leave so much money on the table. And the other thing I think that is just important for what you do and talking about financial literacy, et cetera, if we don't start figuring out what things cost and what they mean to us, yes. and how to get them, yes. uh, we're going to be forever people listening to people who say, "Oh, you don't need to buy a house." You know, and I know you've heard it. People say, "You know, today's young people—they don't want to be tethered to that." You know, they like the life of living in the con- i mean, you know, the apartments and stuff—but they leave with nothing. That's right. So it's all good to think about that. But one thing that I knew as a child is a home was important. Land is important. Mm -hmm. Even when I went south, it's like we own this land. That's right. Because they knew what today we forget. Yes. Is that if you don't own anything. Yes. Where does your life go from there? You can't leave anything to help your children. The reason why there's a big gap between black and brown homeownership and white homeownership is because white people take the value out of their homes and help their children. Mm, That's right. We don't have the value to give. That's right. So the more we buy and the more we are able to leave something for the generations that follow, the better we become as a country. Because when people, all people, have a place to live... It becomes a foundation upon which they can do anything. They can be anything. But every single person in this country deserves. I believe housing is a right. That's just my personal opinion. Absolutely. John, we deserve it. And we have the resource. We need to make the government work for us. That's right. And if we don't, it's our fault. Because we can. Now, I'm not going to be up here talking about elections, etc. But what I do know is that if we don't make our voices heard, nothing will happen
2: for us. Now, y'all have heard me talk about this and show this. I did last with the Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Henry, go to my iPad. Randy, here's the thing that Congresswoman Fudge, excuse me, she's a longtime Congresswoman, as I'm used to calling her, she's Secretary Fudge. This is right here. This is the number of homes built in the United States between 1900 and 2021. I need everybody who's watching to pay attention to what I am saying. Look right here. Look right here. Between 1900 and 1949, okay, we built 1.78, 2.65, 2, 4.16, 2.67, 4.79 and 10.8 million homes so we started building homes in significant numbers due to population growth and after world war ii right there beginning in 1950 10.08 million homes now let's go uh forward to the so all of a sudden it dips in the 60s to 9.49 then it goes back no guys stay on my ipad please it goes 1970s 12.37 1980s 12.14 1990s 12.49 2000 it goes to uh 14.56 and then what happens 2010 it drops to 6.9 now we're still behind uh in two, we've only in 2020 2023. So the problem, Randy, for the people out there who don't seem to understand what's happening with housing, they're mad about housing increases. It's because we because of the home foreclosure crisis in 2008, we literally built 8 million fewer homes from the previous decade. Now with the fewer homes in 2020, Combined with private equity, buying up blocks of homes, you now have a housing shortage in this country. That ain't got nothing to do with the person sitting in a White House. It has to do with home builders in America
3: absolutely and it's a problem that's been building over a long period of time just like you're pointing out and it's not just the shortage of housing it's it's the shortage of affordable housing because when people are building they're building in certain areas and pricing people out pricing middle class and poor class, people, poor class people out. And so there's a struggle there. And it's, it's done without any sort of thought of what America needs. Um, and, and, and so it's not anything, it's not a problem that was created the last uh, several years. It's been a problem that has been building for a long time. And it's, put, it's putting us where we have, people cannot afford to live. They have no place to live.
2: Yo, I, I just again, when we start unpacking these things, these are this is information that unfortunately these cable news networks are not going to be explaining to people and so what does it require it requires incentivizing developers to start building and not be in a situation where we are not where we are so far behind because this is 2023 we're now approaching 2024 the problem can be fixed what we don 't want to do is see us between two thousand and twenty and two thousand and twenty nine uh, have another decade uh, shortage, which means that in the next decade with population growth is going to be more the problem
14: right and you 're going to have less what we have is less supply and more demand that is by definition. Economics 101, going to make your prices go up, and there's going to continue to be uh, more of a demand in terms of having a need for housing, right, and a need for affordable housing, to Randy's point, but there's going to be less supply, particularly as much as private equity can come in, buy houses. Listen, you trying to buy a house, a 1,000-square-foot bungalow, 1,200-square-foot bungalow in Inglewood down the street from the stadium is almost a million dollars now. You didn't price regular people out that have been there for generations. Okay, and so that's going to continue to be a problem, and you absolutely have to plant the seeds and start building now, incentivizing building so as much of it that can take place can take place, so that perhaps. We can begin to catch up with this problem, because in the meantime, folks on the short end of the stick will continue to be the people that aren't all the way in already with a foot in the door. And then those of us, it becomes more devastating. Those that have had houses over the course of a number of generations. Pookie and Ray Ray got a house. Big Mama died. There comes there ends up being a fight and the house is either lost or they rush to sell it. And so what that means is it's going to be very, very hard to be restored um, the way that you need to be based on what it is that's going on and how much more difficult ownership is going to become.
2: And here's also something happening, Mustafa, that I need the people watching to understand. You can uh, be on YouTube goes, people want to hear what HUD is going to do about it. I I, I just played an (laughs) eight-and-a-half-damn-minute segment uh, from the Secretary of HUD uh, talking about that whole deal. And she made clear, Mustafa, that they have given billions to states. One of the reasons why all of these states have surpluses is because they're sitting on the federal money that they've gotten. You've got places like Alabama that was supposed to be spending the money on housing. They spent it on prisons
13: yeah i mean and i've been through that before when i was in the federal government we'd often uh give resources out to the states and the governors would just like you said they would sit on it or in some instances they would actually move the money to the places and spaces that did not need the dollars the most Um, So that's where the regulation comes in and that's where you have to make sure that you're enforcing against those states that are not doing the right thing and in many instances you have to pull the money back, which is something folks never want to do. But here's the other part of it, Roland, you know, for the person who you just referenced, you know that uh, whether it's HUD, they've had significant dollars that are out there, there are a couple of new programs that are there to actually help people to get into homes. The Biden administration has also been putting resources and actions to help uh, first time home buyers to be able. Uh, to move into that space. You've got dollars also at the Environmental Protection Agency for those who are thinking about buying a home or already have a home and they wanna make sure the energy efficiency is there to keep your bills lower. So there is a plethora of resources that are out there. Sometimes folks don't know about them. Sometimes people just don't wanna know about them. And then for me, the last part is also about us and our community. You know, I've had friends who have gotten together and bought multi, uh, multi-unit multi buildings and lived in half of them and rented out the other half uh, to make sure that, that folks are getting into these market spaces um, so that they can build wealth. So once again, we've got to ask ourselves about our own people. Are we willing to come together? to actually be able to move into these real estate sets of opportunities. Maybe there's some uncomfortability with you living with another family um, inside of a multi, uh, multi-unit multi building uh, for a short period of time, but you have to be looking down the road. If you're serious about building wealth, if you're serious about being able to take advantage of these opportunities, then sometimes we have to be able to come together, which should not be a difficulty. It should be something that's natural for us to be able to be in a communal space and to be able to lift each other up and to help each other be able to have a stronger foundation underneath of our feet.
2: All right, hold tight one second. Uh, we come back more from a Global Hope Forum here in Atlanta. Uh, former ambassador to the United Nations, Andrew Young, asked a question about Israel and Gaza and he makes it clear that if you are standing up for Palestinians not being killed, namely children. That's not anti-Semitism. I'll tell, show you what he had to say when we come back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
14: Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. We featured the brand new work of Professor Angie Porter which, simply put, is a revolutionary reframing of the African experience in this country. It's the one legal article everyone, and I mean everyone, should read. Professor Porter and Dr. Felicia Watkins, our legal roundtable team, join us to explore the paper that I guarantee is going to prompt a major aha moment in our culture.
5: You crystallize it by saying, Who are we to other people? Who are African people to others? Governance is our thing. Who are we to each other? The structures we create for ourselves, how we order the universe as African people.
14: That's next on The Black Table, here on the Black Star Day.
2: 0196. The Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is Roland at RolandSmartin.com.
15: Me, Sherry, Chef Brent, Sammy Roman. I'm Dr. Robin B. pharmacist and fitness coach. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
2: Well, I often hear lots of people saying what Biden-Harris, what are they doing to help black business owners and small businesses? Well, Isabella Guzman, who runs the, the Small Business Administration, uh, was here at Global Hope Forum yesterday in Atlanta. We had an opportunity to catch up with her. We talked to her last year. And we talked about what they have done in the past year to help uh, black-owned businesses. Here's our conversation. All right, good to see you again this year. Nice
8: to see you as
2: well. All right, so I always believe in, in laying out um, how things have gone from year to year. So last year, uh, we chatted here, and so in terms of uh, opportunities for black business and minorities, how has the last year looked uh, in the country?
4: meaning. Uh, startups. We have 14.6 million new business application. We are now on track to be the third highest year for entrepreneurship in this country, preceded by the first and second just the years prior. And we've seen black startup rates double uh, in particular. So we are, uh, you know, they are still powering the new businesses in this country, and especially black women, as we've discussed before. So that continues, um, but it, we want to make sure they're funded, right? This is something we've yep. talked about, funded and revenue opportunities. Absolutely. On on the funding side, the reforms that I talked about wanting to do have been implemented, and we are already seeing the results. It was about creating simpler products that, uh, you know, had uh, simplified underwriting, expanded eligibility. You know, there's no reason why, uh, you know, low credit risk black borrowers should not be getting funded at the same rate as everyone else. And we know that's not the fact. So, um, as a result of the changes, we've seen, you know, since 2020, uh, black lending through the Biden-Harris administration double. And now we're up to one point, nearly 1.5 billion dollars in funding last year uh, to black businesses. As you know, it's been historically around 500 million ish, uh, and so I'm really proud to, to see those numbers climb. Uh, and you know, and the revenue growth opportunity side of it. You know, we've obviously, like the rest of this country, have been uh, seeing lawsuits around the DEI front, trying to take us backwards mm-hmm. when we're trying to. Uh, you know, create the future for this economy, which is through these, the changing face of entrepreneurship. And, you know, um, so those gains have been about defending our programs and making sure that we can continue to create opportunities and hopefully create the next black billionaire through the 8A program.
2: So that was a that was certainly was an issue. Last time we talked, I think it was in Dallas at the Alpha Convention, uh, and we were just on the heels of that ruling out of Tennessee with regarding to uh, the the A program. But but that but that's just a, a a small part of it. Uh, and when you talk about the uh, when you talk about the revenue piece, uh, that that's huge. You know, I, I say all the time when we do these panels. I say, look, I said I don't have debt. I said so I, I'm not trying to sit here and get a bank loan. I said, well, we're trying to lock down contracts.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, federal government contracting for small businesses is a more than $650 billion opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw uh, the president commit to more contracts for small disadvantaged businesses. We have aggressive goals year by year through the whole of government effort. And we are, you know, last year we took took us to 11.4%. You know, so far there's been over $160 billion in contracts during the president's two years uh, of contracting records to, uh, you know, to the small disadvantaged businesses out there. And we want to continue those trends. And uh, the, the lawsuit in Tennessee had just been filed. We just were getting some of the insights from the courts. Uh, the SBA did uh, get an injunction uh, stopping the 8 program, uh, forcing us to uh, look at the way we determine social disadvantage. And as a result of quick actions that we took, we were able to ensure that not a single 8 contract was removed from the program and that contractors were able to get, in essence, recertified by submitting social disadvantage narratives. And so. We're, you know, we're proud that we were able to do that. But now let's unlock more opportunities. Let's, you know, fix the way that we train our 8A contractors to go after government contracting, the business development uh, programs that we have funded. You know, let's, of course, make sure that they have capital, but working capital. And uh, we are working to continue to make change to ensure that happens.
2: How have you all, How have you also um, sort of tried to remove so many of the? We talk about barriers, so especially we know we know we know bundling is is, is a problem. Uh, we, we we're here in Atlanta, and it was uh, uh, Maynard Jackson, the first Black mayor of the city, uh, who, with his contracting experts, had said, "Hey, uh, how about we break apart these large deals to create smaller opportunities for." Black minority business minority business owners to become prime contractors because Mm -hmm. you couldn't you couldn't you could never bid on a prime unless you had been a prime before right right and so by breaking those large uh, pieces down it actually provided an opportunity for for folks to be able to actually bid how are you also dealing with that on the federal level because you had unbundling under Obama bundling under Trump and then now you're trying to unbundle right
4: right well and that's what we're doing to aggressively look at the goals and we. At the SBA have a, uh, a large power to be able to negotiate with each of the agencies to make sure that the whole of government hits uh, the president's goals around government contracting, and so uh, that make that means the you know, leads of all these agencies are getting to hear from us at the White House, at the SBA uh, about their uh, the requirement that they look at small. They use the rule of two. They use SBA's programs to try to help support small businesses, and uh, we are aggressively expanding. Uh, our procurement center representatives, the folks at the SBA who look at every single contract opportunity and make sure that if it's a small opportunity that um, we try to look at debundling it, look at how we can get more small businesses on a vehicle. Uh, and that's what we're aiming to do. The GSA and, and the SBA did partner recently uh, to create a, an 8 day schedule to make sure that 8-As could get on to some of these large GSA schedules, as an example. We're trying to get as creative as possible uh, you know, to, to make sure there are feasible-sized uh, small contracts to give people. Their first prime experience,
2: and, and, and the thing when you talk about the, the entrepreneur piece, I mean the bottom line is you're now talking about a generation, millennials, Gen Z, uh, and I forgot what the new one is called. Uh, so I think somebody told me it was Alpha or something. Uh-huh. I, I, I I I I don't know I what the new one is, but somebody <laughs> mentioned it to me. But 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 you're dealing with a generate now multiple generations who are not starting with the with the premise of get a good job and be there for 30 40 years and get a pension right. mm-hmm. I mean so you have people who who understand who are starting much earlier about owning right and so that means that there's a much larger demand and push to, to create uh, that space.
4: Right. No, that's true. I mean, and I think that you're seeing it in the entrepreneurship rates. But whether people have a side hustle that they're aiming to make their main job at some point and create jobs for others, but uh, you know, I I think it's tremendous. This conference is about the optimism out there. Like, there's tremendous hope and optimism in the fact that people want to build wealth and start their own businesses, and they see that as a pathway. And uh, you know, especially with government contracting, we need to make sure that the government is incentivizing that growth and that hope for the future. And uh, Uh, You know, I I know that our global competitiveness rests on our ability to make sure all our entrepreneurs are competitive, and uh, that includes breaking down barriers to capital, breaking down barriers to revenue opportunities so that we can prepare our small businesses to then go after contracts abroad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that recently traveled to West Africa, but to see some of our American small businesses going there to, you know, uh, create cybersecurity platforms for nations, that's an incredible. Uh, commitment to our national security, our democracy, and and we need to see more of
2: it. Last question for you. So um, a year from now, what do you want the story to be?
4: I want the story to be that SBA's reforms continue to drive capital in, into the black community, and you know the reforms just took hold in August. They're going to continue to have a great effect. But I also want to see transformations in my investment company portfolio, where we have um, where we've made reforms so that the check writers look like the businesses who are starting and growing these incredible ventures. Uh, and so I'd like to see those results pan out. I'm going to see have diversity amongst my investment companies. And I'm going to start to see that in my portfolio. That's what I want. And then I want us to achieve the president's goal that he laid out at the Tulsa Race Mass- Massacre commemoration that we want to you know, drive to 15% by 2025. I want to see those tens of billions of dollars into the hands of our diverse businesses. And you
2: can't say it because of the Hatch Act, but a year from now, you want to be able to say, there's another four more years of Biden-Harris to get all that done.
4: We continue to drive forward (laughs) on all these initiatives.
2: I can say it, but I got you. (laughs) Always good to see you. Thank you so much. Good work. Appreciate it. All right, folks. So if you've been asking that question, what are they doing for small businesses and black folks? There is your answer. Got to go to break. We come back. Uh, Former U.N. Ambassador Andrew Young, former Congressman Andrew Young uh, was on stage today and was asked a question about what was happening in Israel and Gaza, Uh, and he said something that maybe a lot of people need to listen to. This 91-year-old man knows a hell of a whole lot about the Israeli-Palestinian dispute. He will talk about it, and then we'll discuss it right here I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, broadcasting live from Atlanta. Where we've been covering the Global Hope Forum here.
9: In the A. Back in a moment.
3: Professor Janelle Hobson joins us to talk about hip hop and its intersection with feminism and racial equality, plus her enlightening work with Ms. Magazine and how the great Harriet Tubman connects with women in hip hop.
5: So it was not hard for me to go from Harriet Tubman to hip hop, honestly, because it is a legacy of uh, black women's resistance and black women supporting our communities. That's what Harriet Tubman did. That's on The Frequency on the Black Star Network.
10: I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and on the next Get Wealthy, what do the ultra-wealthy know that most of us don't? Well, the truth is that there is financial exclusion, and unfortunately, Far too many black folks haven't had access to this knowledge. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about on our next Get Wealthy with Melinda Hightower, a banker
3: who's doing something to share exactly what you need to do to make it into the high network status.
10: They weren't just saving just to save. They were saving for a purpose. That's right here on Get Wealthy with me, America's Wealth Coach, only on Black Star Network. This is Essence Atkins. What's the love king of RB Rain Dubon? Me, Sherry Shepherd, and you know what you watch. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
2: The carnage in Israel and Gaza has been on the minds of many people. It came up today at the Global Hope Forum, a former UN ambassador former congressman, former mayor of Atlanta and longtime uh, Dr. King, Lieutenant Andrew Young, uh, was asked the question about what's happening there. Uh, And he said something that really a lot of folks should pay attention to, especially charters of anti-Semitism against people who are critical of Israel and its treatment of the Palestinians.
1: Watch. You have seen in your life as an activist the very worst in human
12: nature. And yet you found grace. Not only did you find, we call what you are ambassador to because you were the ambassadors of the United Nations, but before that, when you were waging the civil rights movement, you were the ambassador. You were the one who went out to the community and negotiated settlements between white racists and the black community. How did you find grace in those moments. Well, I was born into it. See? I mean, it's part of the black heritage that we are... We tend not to be judgmental. We, we know that all men sin and fall short of the glory of God, and women do too. Uh, and <laughs> you know, you judge not that you be not judged. And um, I just thank God that I have been taught by my grandmother um, that grace and I was glad you, to hear you use that word "rappers" talking about grace. Mm. Uh, I mean, that, that's high, high stuff, seriously. Mm. And um, and mercy. I mean, people set you up to get killed. Yeah. So and 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 you have profited in the career that they tried to kill you out of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so. That's what life, life is a struggle of good against evil, and good always prevails eventually. And, um, well, let me go ahead and get into this, because, (laughs) because I had to leave the United Nations, and I'm going to tell you how it happened because Harry Belafonte invited me over to his house to meet with the former Prime Minister of Israel. Uh, And um, as a result of that, for our conversation, he was trying to get me to bring the Palestinians to the table because he said, we're getting old and we know Arafat and them. And we would do better settling this issue if we settle it in our lifetime. Mm. And um, we think that Carter, President Carter, is the kind of spirit that could get both sides together and we could put this thing to rest. I think if we had another term, that would have happened. But then after that, Moshe Diane had me to lunch on Fifth Avenue in a restaurant where we were all being seen by everybody that passed by. And everybody knew who I was, and they knew who he was, what are we doing talking together? And then I go to the State Department and tell them what's going on, and it was une- made them uneasy. And it was my time, according to the Constitution and the laws of the uh, United Nations, it was my turn in August to be president of the Security Council. And uh, we, we rotate alphabetically and nothing ever happened in August. And so I was trying to keep nothing from happening in August. So the Palestinians decided they wanted to come to the table with israelis see now what we're talking about now and what we're seeing on television every day has been struggling to find reality in my time since ralph bunch in 1948 and ralph bunch won the nobel peace prize for trying to work this out this is nothing new it didn't happen on october 7th Hmm. it's been happening all of our lifetime and we haven't been able to rise to the occasion and make it make sense. But everybody knows, and it's not being anti-Muslim or anti-Semitic, it's being for life and for the preservation of humanity and for peace on earth and goodwill toward all men, women, women, And right now, it's especially children. That's what hurts us, to see children dying every day. And there ought to be another way. That
2: right there, uh, Mustafa, is an interesting perspective. Because what you hear Ambassador Andrew Young saying, that if you're critical of Israel, it doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic. If you're critical of uh, them, that's not what it means. What it means is that you don't want to see people being killed. You don't want to see Israelis being killed. You don't want to see Palestinians being killed. You don't want to see people dying. That's what he's saying. And so at some point, folks have to say, how do you put peace first, second and last?
13: Yeah. You know, we always have to be critical when we see loss of life, when we see injustice happening anywhere. We have a responsibility to, to actually speak out against that. And I've, I'm, I've never understood why we can speak out against certain injustices and other injustices we're supposed to be silent. Um, you know, I, I wrote this piece not long ago about an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind, And what I was meaning when I was sharing those words with folks is that, you know, if we continue uh, to to kill each other, um, then we know what the outcome of that is going to be. I'm so sorry. If if we see children who are losing their lives, we have a responsibility to speak out and to say we have to find a way to find peace. Um, And folks need to be able to come to the table to do that. So I appreciate um, our brother Andrew Um, you know the words that he shared but also he wasn't just sharing words he actually has lived them he has been in the space for decades upon decades upon decades of trying to help find ways of bringing people together uh, to call out injustice but to also find the opportunities to heal and that's the real question is are we willing to do the hard work to actually heal um, these situations that are going on are we willing to actually heal Ah, uh, the hurt that is happening. Are we willing to heal the injustices that continue to play out? And you know, we just have to make a decision if we're willing to lean in and do that hard work as individuals, as communities, and as governments.
2: You know, you know Randy, uh, th- this is uh, I mean, this is very difficult uh, for lots of people. You have the United the United States uh, vetoing a UN Security Council. resolution calling for a ceasefire Uh, we have a veto rights there along with uh, several other uh, nations Uh, but the united nations voted overwhelmingly for there to be a ceasefire yet you've heard senator bernie sanders say hey uh only a ceasefire would uh, assist hamas um at some point and again those people those who do not believe uh, in violence at some point uh, those voices need to prevail because uh, all, if we're going to see nothing but consistent death, that does not actually solve this problem.
3: It does not solve the problem. And the sad part is, is that the people who are brave enough to simply say, let's stop killing people, are being silenced every day, are being forced out of jobs, out of positions, so they will be quiet. And, you know, propaganda is around to make, to silence us, right? They want us to think that there's a, a, you know, an evil and a good, a right and a wrong. And at a certain point, it's not, and they want to group, an entire group. They want to just see it in one way. Often said, the hard part about fighting against white supremacy is that white people want to say it's totally against them. You could be against something and not be against a people. You could be against killing and not say that, you know, entire group of people is wrong. Um, but they don't want us to seem like think or to have that higher order of thinking. They just want it to be these people are evil and these people are kind. And so, uh, you know, and, and, that, and that's what I see. I mean, I, I so resonated uh, with what he was saying in, in that just because there's one group that may not be acting a certain way, Hamas doesn't mean that we should cast out all people doesn't make a right to see the devastation um, that we have been um, seen going on in Gaza it's just it's just deplorable to me um, but you know people are are being forced to be silent when we're just asking for a ceasefire asking to not see babies and children being killed every day um, but uh, yeah it's it, it's a sad situation
2: Joe
14: yeah I mean, You know, some of us have to explore nuance in everything that we do. We have to explore nuance to go to work where we work, to live where we live, to go to school where we go to school. What Andrew Young was saying is no different than uh, what—is no different than this. Jimmy Carter talked about it. You know, when he put uh, Israel and Egypt together to make peace uh, with the Camp David Accords, Um, he did some things. And if you go back and listen to the things that they said all those years ago, they could be talking right now. Um, but they had the proper motivation when they were doing what it is they're doing. we got to be real concerned when we use two words, always and never. Um, And when you deal with nuance, when you deal with uh, making sure that you are really trying to preserve life, all life. You actually are doing what you're doing and making stands and looking for accountability with an eye towards the future, contemplating a future where people actually live together in peace and harmony. It's a different thing. People can say the same things for different reasons. You have a lot of people dealing with this issue right now that have different motivations. They don't want folks to come together, frankly, both sides. But there are a whole lot of innocent people that are dying. There are a whole lot of innocent people of all hues that do want people to live together. They want to be able to be okay. They want to be able to self-determine. So you can't just disregard someone that asks for lies to be preserved the best way you possibly can, whether you're talking about it in a ceasefire, whether you're talking about it in a a humanitarian pause or whatever else. These gentlemen, uh, Ambassador Young, Jimmy Carter, others— They've been talking about this for a long time, and what they said 30, 40, sometimes 50 years ago is just as true as it is now. You can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but if your motivations are not towards people living together and being in harmony, it's very, very easy, perhaps even because of your notion of safety, maybe because of your notion of hatred, for you to be absolute and say, all of these should be in this category, these should be in this category, and anybody that talks about anything different that contemplates an different, is against us, and therefore cancel them. But it's very, very dangerous, because you cannot do the work and get us where we need to go. But some of us know that.
2: All right, folks, hold tight one second. Uh, when we come back, Harvard stands behind their Black president, Claudine Gay, after uh, billionaires go on the attack. But they're being exposed, for really being against DEI. We'll talk about that. Plus, our marketplace segment would we'll just talk with an Atlanta business owner uh, with a watch company. Also, there is a new HBCU bowl game, the Beach Bowl. We'll talk to. Uh, the folks behind that as well. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Support us in what we do. Join our Bring the Punk Fan Club. Your checks and, your checks and money orders donations allow us to do what we do. A brother came up to me today, handed me his $20. A brother or sister yesterday handed her, her, her annual $100 uh, donation. So we appreciate that. So your check and money order to PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037-0196. Cash App, Dollar Santa, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zelle, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Uh, be sure to download the Blackstone Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, And, of course, you can also be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Also, download the audio version. Yep, that's me reading it on Audible. We'll be right back.
5: Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high-growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers. Get on a path to in-demand jobs and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31st, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs.
11: I'm
14: Faraji Muhammad, live from L.A., and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's the culture. Weekdays at three only on the Black Star Network. I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on *Proud Family*, louder and prouder.
10: Right now, I'm rolling with Roland Martin, unfiltered, uncut, unplugged, and
1: undamn believable. Him.
2: Folks, the uh, president of Harvard University, uh, Claudine Gay, uh, she has survived uh, an effort to oust her. The uh, Harvard board voted today unanimously to keep her on as president. Of course, there has been a huge outcry after she testified along with the president uh, of Penn last week uh, before a Republican-led committee regarding anti-Semitism on campus. Folks have been quite angry with her response. The president of Penn uh, Resigned late last week, a number of people, black students at Harvard, faculty members, and others came to her defense. Uh, she had been attacked by folks like uh, billionaire Bill Ackman, uh, and but what's interesting is they've been criticizing her because of uh, her uh, testimony saying she did not uh, condemn um, um, anti-Semitism, which she actually did. But what's interesting, Randy, how the folks like Ackman and others started bringing up, calling her, oh, she only got hired because of her race. And then now slamming DEI, critical race theory. Uh, I think it became very clear uh, exactly why they were doing so, Randy. And let's just be perfectly honest here. Uh, these people don't actually care about it. And when you, when you are a white man and you immediately run to, oh, she must have hired because she's black. Uh, hmm, it's interesting. They never say anything about these white men who get hired as if all of them are just brilliant. Also, by the way, Five former Harvard presidents also signed a letter saying remain and so they have fought back the haters
3: and it, as soon as I saw when the sister uh, got appointed to Harvard which is you know this old elite white uh, institution I I, I I prayed I prayed because I knew I was like she is going to get it. And so I hate to say that I'm not surprised at the way that they're treating her. Um, You know, at 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 institutions of higher learning, you're supposed to be able to have free thought and discussion, that's what they're there for. But you see this big push to ensure that we all think the same way, we all say the right things, or your job and your entire career is at risk which is not at all right. That certainly is not a democracy. That's certainly not what all of us signed up for. Um, But they are going through her entire record, every uh, published article, Every, every book to find fault with her. And you know that's what happens, is that when Black people become to, and get in positions of power, they seek to completely um, tear us apart and, and make it where we are you know, not qualified. And, you, and, and we see that we always are more qualified than usually the white males that they've had before us. So I, I'm appreciative of the past Harvard presidents uh, defending her, and I hope that she stands Resolute and doesn't allow them to chase her away.
2: Um, what you see here, Joe, you see these constant attacks uh, on her and others. You see, and I think what you also had here, I think you had some people at Harvard who said, listen, if we push this woman out, we're giving in uh, to these Republicans, and that's the last damn thing we need to do. Mm-hmm.
14: Yeah, you know, uh, Congresswoman Stefanik, who I don't agree with on much of anything, uh, with, with no hint of irony, was looking for this gotcha moment. She wanted to ask this particular key question. And if you didn't unequivocally answer yes right away, um, then it was a problem and you and you ought to be canceled. Now, you know, it doesn't matter, I guess, that she's supporting a former and currently aspiring uh, uh, president-to-be who actually uh, is accused of, uh, among other things. Uh, actually inciting violence with his words. Uh, In an irony, even those that are speaking against President Gay um, aren't realizing that she's actually in fighting for free speech and demanding context on a question that actually demanded context, yes. and nuance. In doing that, she was actually preserving the integrity of the institution. So there's this irony that goes on. First of all, the wrong person asked the question for it to actually have any credibility. Second of all, she's helping to preserve the integrity of the institution and doing what she's doing. And it just reminds you that some things, intellectually free speech is a son of a gun. It is a son of a gun, because sometimes when we feel safe, even less safe, because of someone's free speech, we are a tendency, whoever we are, is to cancel it and to get rid of it. And it's supposed to. There is free speech that is abhorrent, that is terrible, that is not good and is not good feeling. But if in and of itself it doesn't lend to violence, etc., theoretically, theoretically, it's supposed to be protected. That's something that we all have to remember. That's what this fight is actually about. But there's this notion that exploring nuance makes you less safe. Actually, it makes you more safe. Why? Because now you're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater like we were talking before. You're actually doing things for the right reasons. You've got the right motivations when you ask these questions, and you answer them in a way that deals with, I need the context to know where this particular thing belongs, what it is that you're asking, why you're asking it. And if we want our, in, our institutions to have credibility and let, to say nothing, of the irony of these guys having folks that are anti-gay, that are anti-black, say all of these other things, and they'll jump on the free speech bandwagon in a second when it comes to those. But now, as it pertains to this black woman and other women, by the way, like the president of Penn, who didn't make it, President Gay has made it so far. Now you want to put an X on them like they were never there and cancel them when, in an irony, they're actually doing probably what it is that they're supposed to do, even though it hurts. Mustafa.
13: Well, you know, I've worked on Capitol Hill, um, and, you know, you have these these uh, Republicans that continue because they can't move forward on any substantive policy to use these types of opportunities uh, to, to garner the media attention. Um, Dr. Gay made a decision to actually go. Uh, and share. She could have said, you know, at this time, uh, I'm not I'm ready to come up and have this conversation. The other dynamic that goes on in respect to, to what she was doing is that folks need to remember that she's only been on the job less than six months. So the conversation was actually around policy um, at these respected uh, institutions and, and where that sort of plays out in relationship to anti-Semitism and people being able to say certain things. So she hasn't even been around long enough to actually be able to change policy yet because there are a number of steps that need to go forward. You know, so we we really need to understand the context of what's going on and not just look at these bumper sticker types of uh, short phrases that that are often thrown out there. And then people are making hard decisions without having all the information of these dynamics. The last thing I'll say is that, you know, the Harvard community has spoken and they made a decision that they see her as still a, a viable president and someone that they see value in.
6: Uh,
2: And again, what you saw here, you saw uh, these billionaires try to use their money to influence the decision. Harvard was like, yeah, we're good. We're good. All right, folks, hold tight one second. Got to go to a break. Uh, We come back. We'll talk to uh, a wooden watchmaker in our uh, Marketplace segment. Also, there's a uh, new HBCU bowl. That's the first bowl of the year. It's called the Beach Bowl. We'll tell you about uh, that that's next. Roland Martin unfiltered on the Blackstone Network.
5: Hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. a White nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. God, so you will not
2: white people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol i about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is
14: part of American history.
2: Every time
1: that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the
2: Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this
10: all the proud boys, this country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people the
2: fear that they're taking our jobs they're taking our resources they're taking our women this is white fear. Yeah. 0196 the cash app is dollar sign rm unfiltered paypal is Martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zell is roland at rolandsmartin.com
5: me sherry shepra and you know what you're watching roland martin unfiltered <laughs>
2: The first bowl game of the season will involve two HBCU teams. No, I'm not talking about the Celebration Bowl, which is taking place here in Atlanta on uh, on Saturday, uh, tomorrow, uh, folks. Uh, the uh, game is called the Inaugural Florida Beach Bowl. Uh, it will be Johnson C. Smith Golden Bulls uh, versus the Fort Valley State University Wildcats, uh, taking place in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, the folks with our Urban Edge Network, uh, they are uh, the official broadcast partner of this bowl. Todd Brown joins us right now. Uh, Todd, so uh, tell us, how, how did this uh, this new bowl game uh, come about?
16: Well, we were lucky enough to partner with Victor Robinson, who had the media rights for this bowl. And so what you should know, Roland, there's 41 official NCAA-sanctioned bowls. And this is the first ever HBCU sanctioned bowl, where we are having the HBCU kids participate in what we see majority schools participating in, celebrating the end of their seasons, and participating in the monetary opportunities that are presented by the bowls. That's two teams meeting in great locations from amazing conferences, celebrating their year, their fan base, and participating and being rewarded, frankly, by a bunch of brands that support all these bowls.
2: Uh, obviously you you've had you have a celebration bowl happening here uh, in Atlanta that's an ESPN and actually ESPN owns uh, a significant number of uh, these bowl games uh, but here uh, this is an African American promoter uh, who is partnering with Black owned Media Company uh, for this bowl.
16: Yeah and so you, you know the word bowl again, the celebration bowl is a celebration of the the conference championship. Uh, for the SWAC conference. This bowl is a celebration between the CIAA, the CIAA and the SIAC, and this is an official, and again, we use the word inaugural, celebration bowls every year, an inaugural first-ever NCAA-sanctioned bowl, which is presented by a black promoter, but delivered by a great city in Florida, amplifying the bowl season and, and frankly, welcoming HBCUs into the legitimacy of the bowl season. And we beat out another Black-owned media company Uh, for the right to this bowl. Uh, Allen Media was also bidding for this opportunity, and we're excited about being chosen for this bowl, and we're presenting it on HBCU Plus, which is on 303 million devices. Uh, We'll be streaming this bowl, and we have several uh, partners that we're engaged with for delivering this experience for these kids. And the promoters on the ground have done an amazing job making sure that the golf tournament, uh, the American Diabetes Association is partnering uh, on a walk to celebrate and these kids are down here from the 9th to the 13th having a what i what i call rolling a legitimate bowl experience in celebration of the end of the season
2: uh, one of the things that uh we, we often see uh, when we have these bowl games uh, obviously uh, there are a lot of things that the teams do uh, in the various cities a lot of times though we see a lot of these bowl games uh, you don't have a lot of people in the stands uh, talk about where this game is going to be held. Uh, what kind of excitement was being generated there in Fort Lauderdale, there in South Florida, among uh, HBCU fans, uh, and uh, as
16: well for these two schools. Well, well one, one of the things that we did is drive media to the platform. So we've had, I think, close to three, almost four million impressions directly in the market of Dade and Broward County, driving engagement. Uh, and if, I don't know if you know this, Roland, but it, between Broward County and Dade County, you're talking about one of the largest pipelines for Division One sports. Uh, both basketball, baseball and football. So we know this is a hotbed for sports. And so the idea of generating an opportunity to celebrate here in Fort Lauderdale, and we're going to be doing this for several years, the local marketplace, but also inviting these schools into a rich recruiting experience. So it's both a in-venue media opportunity, but the bigger part is brands spend money on impressions. The reason why the Orange Bowl is a $25 million commitment, the reason why the Rose Bowl is a $40 million commitment, it's both for the experience within the bowl and the amplification of the media that takes place on the platform. And that's really different than ABC or NBC uh, doing a bowl game and then paying those media rights back to the teams this is an opportunity where a black media company gets to partner with a black promoter and create value both in the event and on the platform and that's really
9: important roland uh
2: and again folks out there uh where can they actually uh watch this game it's taking place uh wednesday
16: what time Wednesday at 7.30, they should download the HBCU Plus app, and we're available on all streaming devices, iOS, Android, and on your Fire Stick TV as well as Roku. You can also download it on our other app where we're featuring the NBA G League on our UEN app. So we're going to have it on all platforms. We're going to be driving engagement in a big way, and we're going to be covering this with a powerful 4K experience. And Roland, what's interesting is we're having this game, in the soccer stadium that Messi plays in, here in Fort Lauderdale. So that's a 20,000-person venue. We're not putting this in a venue where you're expected to see an NFL crowd of 60 or 70,000. We think it's going to be very intimate. If the weather holds up, we believe people are going to turn out in a powerful way. But what's more importantly, 303 million devices, you can see this game worldwide, and we're driving the beginning and the kickoff of the bowl season. So we're super excited and about Vic. Victor Robinson inviting us in about the two schools that are down here about their alumni base and about HBCUs being invited into the real business of the NCAA and being, being able to monetize and show some value from that perspective. All right, Todd, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you Roland. Take care. All
2: right, folks, we come back, uh, our marketplace segment. We'll talk to, A sister here in Atlanta who owns her own wooden watch business. She'll explain right here. I'm Roland Martin, unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Back in a moment. With
1: Google's.
5: wide range of online courses, digital training and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google Career Certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs.
11: executive producer of Proud Family. Bruce Smith,
16: creator
2: and executive producer of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. You're watching Roland Martin. Folks, uh, who leaves their job at a tech company to launch a wooden watch company? Well, my next guest uh, did that. Joining us right now uh, is uh, Shanela Sweat. She's the owner of A Few Wood Men. She joins us right now. Uh, So where did the name come from?
15: So it's a play on words. So like a few good men, it's right. a few wood men. So the brand is based off of my grandfather. He is in a few good men in a sense. Um, but also every one of our watches has a wooden element. So to that point, we named the brand a few wood men based off of a few good men.
2: All right. So so you work in a tech company and then all of a sudden you, you got tired of it uh, or did you have a passion for watches?
15: So I have a passion for entrepreneurship. I actually left Microsoft to basically continuously grow this brand. Um, I had been at Microsoft for about a year, and I was just kind of tired of it. I felt like it was meaningful work, um, meaning I was there, but I was making more money doing this in something that I was actually passionate about versus being at Microsoft. And I was just Now, where did you start employee. this? I actually started a few women in 2019.
2: Gotcha. But so where did the idea of wooden watches come from?
15: So wooden watches were the best. uh, The watches support our skin. So for those that are melanated, dark skin, light skin, they support our undertones. And so for me, my grandpa is tall, dark, and handsome. So I wanted something to match his swag exactly. And so wooden watches were the perfect thing to do that. Now
2: when you say support, do you mean in terms of uh, against our skin or rubbing against our skin? What do you mean?
15: It complements our skin. Got it. So in terms of your skin tone, for instance, it's gonna bring out like your yellow and your red undertone. So if you are darker tone tone, it's gonna to bring out your skin tones as well. So it's perfect for a melanated skin. It's no other concept in terms of wood that doesn't make us like three times better.
2: Gotcha. So so how are they constructed? I'll actually hold your microphone so you can pull okay. one of these out. So how do you actually uh construct Uh, these watches?
15: Yes, so all of our watches have a wooden element. So it may be like oak, sandalwood, um, some wood type, but they also have a metal component to them. So for us, we actually wanted both, meaning we wanted the uniqueness of the wood, but we also wanted the durability of like a metal. Mm -hmm. So when we constructed our timepieces, we had two different vendors kind of merge what they did in one. So you can see even with my timepiece on, they all have like the wooden inlays, but then they have the wooden elements. If you purchase like a men's watch, it's gonna have even more weight. So think of like a Rollie or Swiss or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have even more weight because obviously men tend to like more durability, right? You want right. something you can hold, something in your pocket.
2: So this is a so mix of metal and wood.
15: Yes, it is. Okay. So you can see the wood, the mm-hmm. wooden inlays in the center, and then of course the steel. Right, so you need that weight.
2: Right, so you can so that. was the that. concept of both. So she talking about it, <laughs> the color of your skin. Let me let me see, like what colors are brought out. So what what so what what color is this called? What is this called?
15: The color?
2: Yeah, it looks like evergreen or something. So
15: yeah, this is like an evergreen. The name of this timepiece is the Derek. Um, the so Derek, who the does Derek? It? Everybody's inspired by somebody.
2: Who the hell, is Derek?
15: So Derek is somebody I went to high school with. Okay, at. I'm
2: just checking. So they all have a story. I'm just checking to see who Derek is.
15: Derek ain't nobody important. I'm just but...
2: checking. <laughs> you obviously named a watch after Derek, so he kind of got to be important. All right. <laughs>
15: Maybe. <laughs> Not in this moment.
2: I named him Derek. You did. What's this watch called?
15: Uh, this is the Ashley.
2: The Ashley.
15: Yes. Uh who Ashley? So Ashley is one of my closest friends. Okay. So, yeah actually they all have a story to tell um this is one of my favorites i think it's like a casual timepiece but right. it can be worn for like nice events as well
2: yeah master kente yes i got you <laughs> <laughs> cool so uh, uh where are these made
15: so they're actually made here our warehouse i just left we're out of uh ecom spaces off of 600 brown brothers uh street um, so there we engrave um we assemble our watches, and then we purchase from different vendors by putting the pieces together.
2: How many uh employees do you have
15: so I have a team of contractors um I'm actually the only employee at this moment
2: yeah but 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 including the contractors,
15: though. yeah, but it may be about seven of us okay mm-hmm. all
2: right and so um and so so each piece is being made, so how many so so let's say in a week, how many pieces? Uh, is Do we team ship? Making? Yeah.
15: so typically we ship or fulfill about a hundred orders per week. Um, it just depends We're in the peak season, right? So we are on the cusp of like Christmas coming off of black Friday. Um, so in a month we might go anywhere from 600 to a thousand pieces, maybe on a slower month, it might be like three to 400.
2: Got it. All right, cool. So, uh, let's have our uh, questions, uh, from our panel. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, I'm going to start first with, yeah, I left my speaker, um, uh, so I'm going to start with questions. Let's see here. Uh, let's see who probably would wear would probably Mustafa. I know. Yeah, you 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 go here <laughs> you know you got to lift the hat and everything. Uh, so <laughs> I'll go ahead and start with my alpha brother. Uh, what's your what's your question?
13: Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. The pieces look uh, really amazing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious. Uh, when we take a look across the country, uh, do we see that more people are actually utilizing timepieces? Um, or has that, is that something that's been more, uh, antiquated?
15: Yeah. So timepieces are still in. The question was, have I seen a, a decrease? Are I'm people... good. Yeah, okay. Go so timepieces <laughs> are not going anywhere. So they are an asset, meaning if you purchase, they keep their value in most cases, they don't decrease in value. So I haven't seen anything where people are not purchasing, um, They also feel invested into our products. When I say they, I mean our customers because of the storytelling and because of the stories that are associated with them. You're not only associating in like the product of just a timepiece, you're also, you know, telling your story and celebrating that person through the gifting.
2: Cool, Uh, Randy.
3: I just love that you're using wood. Does that mean that you have to maintain the watch any differently? I mean, is it waterproof or anything like that?
15: Yeah, that's a really good question. So you do have to maintain the wood a little bit differently because it can dry out. So, for instance, you don't want to be in large bodies of water. You don't want to be in rain. You don't want to do anything that may fracture uh, the wood. So we say
2: you don't want to be in rain. So meaning, it, so if you're if you obviously got an umbrella, yeah, you're fine. You'll but, be fine. But so sit out if you if out, if sit out in the middle of the damn rain, uh, put your watch in your pocket.
15: Please. Um, Because what will happen is it'll dry out, and so in most cases, our skin is already a bit lubricated on the first level, so it will come back and get, it can get its luster, Um, but it is wood. So, like, for instance, a wooden table, it's going to dry out if you put water on it, right? So you have to do certain things to bring that luster back, maybe put in, like, essential oil or some type of oil on it to kind of bring it back for wood's sake.
14: Okay. Uh, Joe? Congratulations! This is a this is a great uh, venture that you're doing. I'm wondering, uh, do you recommend, you know, for those of us that are working on our style, you know, sometimes I wear this watch. I've had this watch for 15 years, and it matches everything. So, do you represent? Do you think that? This is a watch because some of them are unique colors, right? That this can be one of several watches that we can have, maybe several from your collection, that allow us to wear something you know, to always match with our watch or have a watch that matches, or do you think there are one or two of them that pretty much go with everything?
15: So we have a good assortment of watches. We also have watch connoisseurs for the brand. So it's several of our customers that have almost every single watch. Um, what we're moving towards and what we've started to do in 2023 and 2024 is we are customizing more watches. So, for instance, we have like Divine 9 Inspired Watches. Happy Founders Day, by the way. Um, so for us, we've had requests to have customized timepieces that really, really suit certain organizations or associations. Uh, But to kind of simplify that same answer, we do have timepieces that are for every day, such as, like, I think the Derek you can wear Mm -hmm. casual and black tie events. And then we have some that are a little bit more specific in color. Um, such so as like our Montez or our Chadwick that are a little bit more eclectic and they kind of stand out. You is wouldn't Is it
2: Montez wanna... and Chadwick? Montez. Uh, who Montez?
15: Montez is my brother. All
2: right. Chadwick? Boseman. Okay, I figured that. I, yes, nice. yes. I was wondering so about like that, So like those too. two yeah, time pieces,
15: they stand out, and those are something that you wouldn't want to wear every single day, maybe on a very speci- uh, specific occasion, maybe a birthday, something like that, but you wouldn't want to wear it every day.
2: All right, cool. Gotcha. All right, so where can folks – uh get these watches.
15: Yes, so we are a few woodmen across platforms. So a fewwoodmen.com, that is our website, A Few underscore on Instagram, A on Facebook. Um, so any type of social media platform, you can pretty much find us, a fewwoodmen.com.
2: Uh, and again, folks, uh, you can uh, use the discount code uh, Roland15, that's roland 15 That's R O L A N D 15. So use that discount code uh, for a you would men watches and so uh, check it out these are are pretty cool and fashionable uh and so it's a little different uh, if you're looking for that and so a lot of y'all out there buying watches and so if you're doing so be sure to support uh a black-owned company in doing so so we certainly appreciate it thank uh thanks a bunch uh, good luck uh with uh the business
15: thank you so much all
2: right folks that is it for us uh let me thank uh the folks with operation hope john hope bryan uh, for, uh, hosting us again, uh, here at, uh, Global Hope Forum in Atlanta. Uh, we will be restreaming the entire conference. Uh, it started on Sunday night and of course Monday, then half day Tuesday. So we're going to be restreaming that. If you missed anything, simply go to the Blackstar Network app or go to our YouTube channel as well. Let me thank Joe. Uh, let me thank, uh, Mustafa. Uh, let me thank Randy for being on our panel today. Thank you so very much. Uh, Folks, I'm going to be back in the studio tomorrow. So, again, if you miss any of the content, go check it out. Uh, So lots of great discussions uh, with uh, some fabulous people. So you don't want to miss that. Tomorrow we're going to have uh, some additional interviews uh, from here, from the head of the U.S. Census Bureau. uh, Also, uh, a sister who works for Airbnb. We'll have those interviews uh, tomorrow when I'm back in the studio uh, in uh, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. All right. Don't forget, folks. Uh, this is the kind of stuff uh, that you're not going to get this anywhere else. There's no other, and I can tell you this right now, you can look at all of the black media outlets out there and take your pick. Uh, you can go to Essence, you can go to Black Enterprise, you can go to Ebony, uh, you can go to News, you can go to uh, Urban One, you can go to Blavity, you can go to the Grio. You do not see them doing segments like we do every single Tuesday featuring black owned businesses. You don't see what we do with our tech talk segments as well. You don't see, uh, look, we have a two hour show. This show is two hours. Roger Muhammad's show is two hours. We got multiple shows in a weekly shows as well. And so uh, some fabulous content. That's what you get when you support the Black Star Network. Uh, so please do so. Uh, again, our goal is to get our fan base to support us in what we do. Your dollars make it possible for us to continue to grow and build. Uh, and so please do so by joining our Breena Funk fan club. You can see your chicken money Order the Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, RM Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Uh, and remember, download the Blackstar Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can watch our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week streaming channel uh, on Amazon News. If we go to Amazon Fire, you can check it out. You can also say, Alexa, play News from the Black Star Network, and then you'll begin to hear that audio. Also, we're available on Plex TV. You can check us out on Amazon Freebie. And if you're on Amazon Prime Video, click Live TV. You can go to their news grid. You can check us out, our channel, right there, along with the other news channels uh, all across the country. Uh, And finally, uh, be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, uh, the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available at bookstores nationwide, Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Bound, Bookshop, Chapters, Books a Million, Target. You can also, of course, get the audio version uh, that I read on Audible as well. Folks, that's it. I'll see you tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Holla! Folks, Black Star Network is here. Oh, no! I'm a real uh, revolutionary right
13: now. <laughs> support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I
3: thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland.
13: I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we
14: have to keep this going.
13: The video looks phenomenal. See, this the difference between
14: Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't
2: be Black-owned media and be
14: scaped. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home,
2: you dig? i Merry-